The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? Uh, I'm going to keep the intro short this week. I actually have to kind of get my button gear, hop in the shower, and get to the airport. I'm on my way to Iceland today. Uh, last night I went to uh, Apocalyptica in Boston with my good friend Jesse V, and it was an awesome night. It was great uh, just chatting with Jesse. We had a chance to record on the, the car ride down, had some pretty good conversations about uh, where we are in the industry, where we see the industry going, uh, how to avoid burnout, things like that. So uh, enjoy the episode. I will try to enjoy my trip. I'm going to be getting a lot of content for everybody. Uh, Next week, I should be home, and I'll get one of the UK interviews up before I head out to Atlanta in Germany. So enjoy my conversation with Jesse V. Okay, so we're recording. I would say just, um, oh my God. I would just say maybe uh, talk kind of a little bit louder than normal conversational volume. No problem, Ryan. Okay, Jesse Vellabert. Uh, so, we are currently in my car, road tripping, on the way to Boston to go see Apocalyptica, perform there, Metallica by Four Cellos, is that what it's called? Metallica by Four yeah, Cellos? Yeah, I guess, I guess 20 years ago, I think, it's their anniversary of, uh, recording an album of just Four Cellos doing Metallica songs. Yeah, so, uh, so biggest I figured... Metallica fan I know is Jesse, so I got tickets and invited him down. That was very sweet of you. Oh, I was just glad you said yes. Yeah, I love love coming to visit you. I don't get out here enough. Next time it's your trip. Yeah, see, I always feel like I want to just kind of pop up to Canada, go visit my buddies, but then I realize that it's a 10-hour drive. Yeah. And I could spend 10 hours, like, playing Playing video video games games or or watching Netflix (laughs) or petting my dog or something. So, but yeah, I I absolutely want to do that probably, I don't know, November-ish, I guess. We need to get out more. I think uh, we, we hold our, we're in our bubbles way too much. Yeah. And not getting out and visiting our friends within the industry, and yet they're like a somewhat a state next to you for me to travel a province across yeah. in Canada that's a lot harder but I'd say just just do it just go well the the thing that I always find funny when I talk to somebody like you or a lot of the other people in the industry when we talk about like oh we got to get out and out of our bubbles and, and do some more stuff it's like some people might look at what we post online and be like when are you ever home and working that's true people think I live in in the woods yeah right photography and like as we record this tomorrow morning i'm on my way to reykjavik iceland and then when the show comes out i'll be in england right uh where where are you going to be in the next week are you going anywhere are you just going Um, home actually i'm just going home for once this is great then i'll be planning (laughs) i'll be planning a trip out to banff national park in october so really looking forward to that that's my next big trip. Uh, Banff National Park is named after Nightcrawler from the X-Men series. See, this is where your nerd boner shows. And that's I the don't. sound he would always make in the comic books whenever he would teleport somewhere. It would be Banff, you know? Don't but, get it. I don't understand. Okay, well, whatever. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a comic book or something yeah. and you can catch up on it. I can picture it. I so, picture what were we talking about a second ago? How many days of the week our shops are open? Yeah, yeah. We're. I think... I wonder if anybody else has this issue of transitioning. I'm sure a lot of people open up shops and... 
you know, they're maybe open in the five days a week, probably close on Sunday, Mondays. That seems to be like the typical closing days if there's closing days. Yeah. Kind of following like maybe hairstylists or spas and stuff like that. It seems to be the same service industries. I've been closed on Sundays for, you know, a long time. the entirety of my shop. Right. But then the people make the transition to go seven days. I'm just curious, like, do I, like, I'm thinking about that now, uh, being in business, well, Thrive's been, I think, around for now 12 years, and we have a killer staff, and everybody's great. I'm just wondering about making that transition. Why haven't I made the transition, potentially, to six days, even? Yeah, well, I, I think seven. you really value your, your personal time. And I really do. Even though you have and not just a mine. staff. Well, yeah, and yeah, I mean, yeah you, you want other people right. to enjoy their lives, too. But I think at this point, you still kind of see it as like, you know, if we're open more, I have to work more. Maybe. I don't know. That's just my, it's possible. my guess. It's possible. I mean, I'd rather not be stressed at the end of my week. Yeah. I like that de-stress time. And yeah. I've always felt the same for my artists wanting to, like, I don't want anybody to ever feel like they they have to be. Yeah, or burnt out. Yeah, burnt yeah. out. I'd rather have happy staff. But that doesn't mean I can't be seven days and not have a happy staff. Yeah. Who's to say they wouldn't want to work a Sunday, Monday, and be off a Wednesday, Thursday, for example. Yeah, exactly. As right. long as you're not expecting your staff to work seven all seven days. days. Yeah, right. you know, if you have enough staff that you can rotate right. them out and make sure mm-hmm. they have, like, a weekend, you know, whether yeah. it's in the middle of the week or the end of the week. Yeah. Have you always been open six days then? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I thought... At points of, of trying to open up on Sundays, you know, like I had other piercers kind of come and go and say like, you know, oh, I, I wouldn't mind working on Sunday. But then it turns into, well, then I have to have a receptionist on As Sundays well. also because, you know, with, with the, the floor space in my shop, you can't have just one person in there because then there'd be nobody at the desk watching who comes in the door and all the, all this stuff, you know? I feel like that's the same way for me. I have a perfect yeah. perfect hourly system right now for a full-time counter staff and manager, whereas I'd have to hire another manager yeah. or, or maybe not manager per se, but another counter staff for sure. And I mean, you definitely have for... that offset of more income, but, you know, I, I mean, is it really worth it for the expenses you'd have and the, the amount of strain right. that you'd have to add to your, your staff? So I, I thought about, you know, because I've got that big transition coming up in the winter where Aaron's moving to Denver. Evan is going to be taking on an expanded role in the shop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I still need to to pierce to make, to make a living at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, like, I don't know, maybe we could open on Sunday and that could be one of Evan's days or, or something. I don't know. But uh, I do enjoy having days off and I, I I'm just we're so used to being closed on Sundays and our our, cust- our customers have been trained that right. we're closed on Sundays and they and the customers that you attract on a Sunday I find at least in our town the ones that are looking for shops on the Sundays are usually the ones that are looking for just anybody they yeah. don't really care it's just a deal it was that's just what's known in our, in our town anyway the ones that are open typically on a Sunday are yeah those cheap you know $20 piercing studios here and there yeah so, I don't know. I, there's a market, obviously, there for it. It is, yeah. I don't necessarily want to expand into that market. You know, and they're I, seasonal too. Like over the yeah. winter, is it going to be as busy? Oh, definitely over not. The summer. I, I thought about having summer hours and winter hours at one point. You know, and my summer hours would be probably open seven days. Maybe extend the hours. You know, I, twelve to eight is my typical workday right now. So I was thinking maybe I could do like an eleven to nine. See, my summer Something. hours would be from like 12 till 3. Yeah. <laughs> Just to do at least. Because you want to yeah, get out and enjoy the summer. No, Jesse. I'm kidding. 
but no, I totally get what you're saying. I'm sure there is some studios that have done this. Yeah, probably. I mean, I know plenty of plenty of shops that are open seven days, have rotating staff, have multiple piercers on every day, stuff like that. But, you know, I don't, I don't know how you feel about almost like throttling your business, sort of. Like, I, I, I feel like I could grow my business and, and do more, but I don't necessarily want to be that shop. Do you want to do more within the piercing industry, or are you talking do more outside of like well our, our industry what do you I, I look at myself as kind of like I you know I'm not I'm not a full-time piercer anymore you know I'm a part-time piercer at this point so I, I mean more like um, in the shop like I could I could have two piercers on every day I could have more counter staff I could I could you know go to an appointment system and, and stack people up and whatever and I could increase my business but I, I kind of made the conscious decision where I don't I don't want to do that because the whole like you know more money more problems kind of right. thing you know I don't yeah, I don't want any more problems I can't handle <laughs> any more problems nobody wants more problems everybody wants more money but I yeah see I see exactly what you're saying yeah it, I don't think it's it's worth the stress no. the the additional income and you know I don't want to have to put it all on somebody else's shoulders either I think we're also established in our businesses that we realized there would be stress involved with that. I remember in the beginning, a common mistake I bet you numerous people make is they open up their first studio and in that same year, they're so pumped and so hyped and thinking this is great, they're gonna open up a second one in a second yeah. location. Yeah. And I've seen it happen so many times where then people just, you know, they can only care for one baby. Exactly. And they let the other one slip. I see that, I see that a lot. I see that a lot more with tattoo owners rather than piercer owners. Right. Uh, like a. a you know, good example. I, I feel like when, when somebody opens a shop, that's their baby. And then when they open a second shop, that's their baby. And then the other one just kind of falls to the wayside. Like, I feel like if, if you're the owner and you're like, you know, the, the head person in charge, um, you really only care and focus on your most recent shop, your biggest, newest, freshest, brightest thing. And, you know, you let your other ones fade away. Like, I've been asked so many times by people like, hey, you know, you ever thought about opening a second shop and this and that? And it's like, yes. And then I realized that it was a terrible idea because I care about my studio and I don't want to just be like a, you know, a gloves off owner. I want to like be there. You don't want to be a franchise, for example, or numerous uh, cookie cutter shops. I mean, I'd like the challenge and that's my biggest thing in my brain anyway, as an entrepreneur brain. I'm always looking for that next challenge. I'm always looking for that next thing. Yeah. Um, even within my studio and outside of the studio, mm -hmm. right? And you know, both of us, we we just love other. We, we when we yeah. find something that we love, we just dive right in. We are like it. dogs chasing a laser pointer, or cats. What, what's the analogy? Cats chase. Do dogs I, dogs chase cars? Cats <laughs> chase laser pointers. Yes. We chase money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, but it's not about the money. I don't. It's feel not like about the money. I mean, the, the money certainly makes makes it nice. Definitely. But um, I think we we just like to be challenged, and we like once we. Here's the problem: if you go into something looking for the money, yeah. you're gonna fail. Oh yeah, right. If you go into it passionate about something, mm -hmm. the money will come organically, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's what I feel as though I've given this industry. I've given it my passion, and I love it, and it's fed me. It's yeah. given back. Tenfold, and I, same, I know exactly what you mean. Right. Yeah, yeah. Numerous people in this industry that we we surround ourselves by, and we surround ourselves by very successful piercers yeah. and tattoo artists, and uh, you know, we live, we have a healthy living from this. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I feel like 
sometimes like, you know, your person, it's this weird like seesaw kind of balancing act where on one side you have your income and on the other side you have your, your, your life, you know, and you have to kind of find this balance of like, you know, working hard enough that you can, you can have an income. And especially when you build up a shop like yours or mine, it's not just my life I'm working for now. I've got a staff, like I've got, I don't know, nine people working for me at this point, you know, and I got to make sure that they can make a living and they're comfortable and pretty crazy the first time one of my artists was able to get a mortgage yeah you know and uh, get a car yeah and, you know one of my one of my artists right now is having her second baby you know yeah. and it's this is their main main income yeah. is doing what they're doing and it's so rewarding and it yet is, stressful yeah. and scary at the same time it is a lot of pressure you know because you or i have worked for so many years you know we've got we've got savings we've got a little bit of flexibility where we can say hey i want to take a week off for whatever reason you know but it's not like we can just close our shops for that week you know we have to make sure that the gears keep turning yeah i'm happy we have a solid crew that are hopefully uh turning right now as yeah. i'm on this road trip to boston <laughs> well i mean you just yeah. what it, you you just you just sent them a fruit basket so i mean like you're you're a pretty nice boss i'm a nice guy they yeah. were having a rough day so. yeah yeah I don't know. I, I used to do those grand gestures of love for my for my staff for a while. You know, send them send them pizza or, or you know, we'd, we'd close an hour early and I'd take people out to dinner and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. But now their lives have gotten so complicated where they've got partners at home, kids at home, pets at home, you know, commutes, all that stuff. So, sure. you know, it's a little bit less and a little bit less. You know, I, I still have to try to make those those efforts to, like, you know, do nice stuff for team building and show them that, you know, I appreciate them. I'm sure they appreciate you. <laughs> I certainly stuck hope around. they do. They've stuck around this long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it is hard in our, especially these shops uh, that have numerous employees. Yeah, it's got to be so tough. How do you I have mean, that like, connection? When you look at those franchises like Iris or High Priestess or something like that, like they do it and they do it well, and right. like they have this army of staff that are all like you know making a making a living and they're all seems happy from well that's from my the thing we all seem happy on the outside looking yeah, into yeah. our social media lives and i guess that's the whole other thing right like there must be trouble within there must be fires they put out every I'm single sure there day. has to be i mean even in even in my studio which has a relatively small staff like there are constantly fires i have to put out you know stress and conflict and all that stuff you know and i have to try to steer everything in the right direction and you know let people be people but you know check in on them and make sure that they're they're also being professionals you know and uh, I can't imagine what it would be like with even double my staff right. I think I think my hair would fall out so do you have uh, weekly meetings do you have monthly meetings <laughs> is that a thing uh, well okay so I've I've tried to have meetings and basically what they turn into is I say what I have to say like way too fast I just like word vomit for five or ten minutes and I I've taught with you I know. yeah exactly oh, shut <laughs> up. and it's, you know and I'll be like hey these are the these are the things that I think we can improve on you know I try not to make them a negative I try to make them a positive by being like hey I see this room for growth and yeah. blah 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 but you know a couple minutes into it people start checking their phones and start looking mm-hmm. down and start squirming in their seat and start talking about well because it feels like dad or, is, is, is yelling yeah, at the totally. kids right they they my staff hates Dad Ryan. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure they all like Ryan, but they all hate Dad Ryan. Are you Dad Ryan a lot of the time, or do you... Well, I kind of have to be, you know, because when I'm... So I, I pierce Monday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, the rest of the week, you know, I, I go in for appointments or I go in for office work, but I'm, I'm not dealing with clients most of the time on those days. Yeah. So if I'm in on one of those days, 
I try to stay out of their hair as much as possible, but you know, if something needs to be cleaned, I'm not going to wait, you know, I'm going to be like, Hey, you need to, you need to clean this thing or Hey, you know, you need to, you need to reply to these clients. You need to do this, you need to do that. So it's like, I can't help myself. But did they probably only see that Ryan more? Yeah. Well, because they're, they're tattooers or they're counter staff or, or whatever. They're not in the room with me while I'm piercing, you know, like they, they see me interacting with piercing clients at the front counter. But other than that, it's like, oh, Ryan's just off in this mysterious room, piercing somebody or paying a bill in the office, you know, and then when they see me, then it's like, oh, hey, I'm here to talk to you about some sort of thing that I want you to be doing and you're not doing. Yeah. It's never, well, okay, lately, I've been talking to my tattooers a little bit more about video games, you know, and stuff, because yeah. we're all excited about this one game we're all playing. But um, the majority of the year, it's like, you know, if they see me, like their their least favorite thing for me to say is, <laughs> hey, can I talk to you in the office for a uh, minute? Yeah. Like anytime, yeah. anytime I say that, like you just see like the color go drain out of their face. and They don't want that. Nobody wants that. They don't, no. And I have to kind of, I have to make these decisions sometimes of like, well, is this issue important enough that I'm going to pull them aside? You know, right. and like, do I really have to get on them about, you know, trash or supplies or replying? Like, is it, is it enough of a problem where I might potentially create a conflict, you know? And I don't want to have to just let everything wait and snowball into the point where it's like, okay, we have to sit down and have this really difficult conversation. Like that's, that's even worse. See, I find that's where I have the advantage over you because I have a studio manager. Right. So she gets to play that role more mm -hmm. than I do. So when I roll in. So they in, hate her. No, I don't think they <laughs> hate her. They respect her completely. Yeah. But at the same time, she gets to have those more more conversations with them right so they know that there's a tier system like my staff will actually go to her first to try to resolve something yeah before coming to me and then when it gets up to me they understand okay not that it's a bad thing or they can't figure it out on their own or, or it's all negative but I, I find having that little bit of a tier system is great and then that kind of weeds out a lot of things they try yeah. to figure a lot of the stuff out on their own and it also it helps when it's not like a you know um mommy daddy kind of situation you know it's mm -hmm. not like well you know this person said I couldn't so now I'll go and ask dad you know kind of thing right um, I would really like Evan to, to, to take on he does a little bit of a shop manager kind of thing you know some ordering and some like you know staff management stuff like that but puts him in a tough predicament too because then yeah. he's now again a boss figure over right. top of them that have been right. there longer yeah yeah so that's always a hard thing too when you it's bring kind in of a new... credibility thing you know like he he has a hard time telling someone like hey this needs to be done and if the person doesn't necessarily agree that it needs to be done it's probably not going to get done until i have to kind of interject and be like hey yeah. this needs to get done yeah. but um you know it, it it works i mean it's not it's definitely not perfect I'm definitely still envious of some of these other shops I see where it's just like it, everything seems to be so flawless and smooth. And... But what works for other shops aren't going to always work for your shop. Oh, yeah. I learned feel, that the hard yeah, way. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel that's a good thing to take away from this, even the little chat is when everybody's like, I want what that other person has and I want how they run it and how that works for them yeah. isn't necessarily going to work in your personal space. Oh, yeah. And vice versa. Like when I, when I try to talk to people, if they ask for advice... I always try to make sure they understand like, hey, this just works for me in my shop, in my market now, but you know, it, it was 15 years of doing it some other way, you know, before I figured this out and I don't, I don't think it would have worked for me before this point, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know? Um, well, I wonder what's changed so much in the last 15 years that we've been in this industry. I, I find back then, well, wasn't it more like I've, buddy, I buddy? I have grown and I think I'm just, I'm more of an adult now. 
you right. know like and I run an, I run a business like an adult not like a, a teenager with a little extra money when I first started it was we didn't know about taxes we didn't oh, know about anything no. uh, the days of the cash only business yeah the cash yeah. only and hanging out every night spending your earnings for the day at yeah. night and just going out and having a great time I was talking to my friend Amy about this the other day Amy you know Amy yep um, so the, the rule used to be if I'd hit uh, and it was like I don't know some some amount now where it would be like oh that was a, it was a, it was a slow day but it would be like you know if I hit five hundred bucks in a day uh, dinner's on me kind of thing we'll go out to a movie we'll go get we'll go get something to eat something like that and that was like all income together you know now it would be like well hey if I make five hundred dollars in a day there's a problem because I'm not going to be able to pay my bills <laughs> kind of thing um, so yeah I mean We've it's all just yeah it's it's you know now it's like I got a mortgage on the building my shop is in and utilities and all these supplies and staff and payroll taxes and all this stuff. So it's like, you know, you really, you can make more money, but it's a lot more work. And, you know, to, to maintain it is almost more difficult than to start it, you mm -hmm. know? So what do you find the challenges here in more so in the States maybe than up in Canada? I'm wondering if there's a difference. Is more and more people opening up studios now? Or are you finding less people finally opening up studios, but now they're all tattooing out of their houses? Is it's, that kind of... It's weird because I feel like there are definitely tiers in the market. And I feel like that kind of... I don't want to necessarily call it the lower tier, but the lower tier. In the in the industry, the ones that are, you know, they, they want to do a, a quick turnaround. They don't really focus on repeat clients. You know, they're charging maybe 35 bucks for a piercing with jewelry. Th those kind of studios, you know, yeah. studios that do uh, quick, like one-off tattoos rather than like working on sleeves and back pieces and generating like long-term clientele. I feel like those shops will come and go. There'll always be a new one opening up somewhere, trying to pull your staff away or, you know, trying to, trying to take a market share. But I feel like if you can break through that ceiling and just have like, good quality work, good quality jewelry and tattoos, you know, you're generating repeat, return, long-term clients, uh, you're pretty safe once you can establish that, you know? It's pretty interesting. Um, up in Canada, there's a lot of, I remember probably five years ago, a lot of tattoo artists were leaving their main studios and opening up their own single yeah. studios yeah. from there. And that was a big thing. You lost some of your tattooers. Oh yeah, that, right? yeah. I've yeah. lost. I've lost a few. Actually, the one year I lost all of them. Yeah. In one summer, which was, you know, panic hits yeah. you at once. Yeah. And uh, now I've also seen the flip side of that, whereas a lot of these shops are closing down and then joining forces with other shops again. Yeah. And making, it, not doing it all on their own, but combining again. Well, and I think um, realizing it's not. Yeah. You know, some some of my tattooers have, have definitely thought about you know venturing out on their own and they've, they've been open and transparent with me about it they, it's, it's been fine. a sneaky thing and like I would I would never wish poorly on someone who just wants to do better for themselves and their family so it's like I would I would completely support someone if they wanted to leave but I think what they realized and the reason they didn't leave is well sh okay sure I can I can be the boss you know maybe I'm paying out a little bit less to the business I work at but it's all that stress is on me you know and it's it, and it never stops you know and if I want to have my own shop I have to be willing to carry that weight and you know I'm not saying me but I'm saying them um, and sometimes people it's realize lot. that they don't want that weight you know they want to they want to just go in I think they don't know do that a there's tattoo, a way go home yeah until yeah. it happens yeah right they think it's just gonna be easy and it works itself out but. I see a lot of those shops fizzle right. you know I see those shops pop up they stay in business for maybe two or three years and then they start to kind of fizzle and dissipate because 
they want the fruits without the labor kind of thing. You know, not not that they're lazy because I've seen some really hard workers who have grown some some great things from that, but yeah. I feel like, you know, they might be disgruntled and leave a shop where they had a great opportunity to try to venture out on their own and then they realize that it's a lot more work and it's a lot more maintenance than they expected and it's it's maybe not something that they're willing to do for 10 or 20 years. So positive wise, what do you where do you see us going in 5, 10 years? You and me or the industry as a whole? Maybe both. Uh, for for me, you know, and, and we talked about this a little bit earlier while we were walking around, is I would like to, I mean, I've done this and nothing but this since I was 20, and I'm, I'm 38 now, right. you know, and like that's that's a long time doing the same thing, and for a long time I was, I did it six days a week by, by myself as a piercer, you know, and I had other people in the, the shop, but I was really, you know, I was handling the counter, I was handling the jewelry, I was handling the piercing, all that stuff, and, um... You know, I don't necessarily like to admit it, but like I'm, I'm burnt out, you know, like I still love piercing. I love those interactions, but all the things that I have to do now with my shop has like, has has taken a toll on me. I think it's important that you say that and make that uh, known because I mean, from the outside looking in, a lot of people would look at you and be like, well, he's got it. He's figured it out. Like, why isn't he burnt out? And uh, no, it's so true. Yeah, I, I got there as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like you know, you you've got your photography and your trips and stuff like that. I feel like I've I've got little bits and pieces of that that nourishes me. But I, I think I need to get out of my shop more, and I need to find those things that make me happy. Whether yeah. it's a hobby, or whether it's a you travel know a, or... an ancillary profession or something. You know, I would like to travel more. I would like to teach more. Um, you know, I, I already travel and teach a fair amount, but I, I think I would like to. You know, five years down the road, be like a appointment only, maybe part time piercer, uh, and then maybe a part time instructor educator. or consultant educator. I yeah, love educating. I love that aspect yeah. of it. So to, to be able to travel around and talk to people and in their environments and talking to them about safe practices and mm-hmm. making in workshops yep. just in general, just teaching people how to pierce better yep. or new techniques and whatnot. That's what. I feel in the next five, ten years, it's going to be more focused that way. Yeah. And it's well, already going that way. I feel like we're on a pretty set path for that. You know, like we've, yeah. you know, we started out as just kids going to conference, taking classes, and, you know, we would fill out the comment cards like, hey, maybe this would make a better class. Maybe this would make a better class. And then we just kind of started pitching our own classes. Yeah. And then it grew out of that. And I think we've done, I think, I'm, I'm really proud I'm of what we've done, yeah. you know, and I, to, to see your growth as an educator too, it's like, it's, it's great. It's exciting. Uh, but I, I definitely see that path continuing, you know, and, and, and growing in that sense, you know, and I feel like as the shop grows and as the staff grows, it, it takes a little bit of the weight off of me and frees me up to do a little bit more of that stuff. So, I mean, where do you, where do you see yourself? I mean, is it more oh, right now photography? For that, well, everybody that's knows me has probably realized that I'm into photography quite a bit and doing a lot of wildlife and landscape photography and just everything is submerged and everything I'm posting online is photography. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure there's people like, is he even piercing anymore? Yeah. And to be honest, I've stepped back a lot from piercing. I have a great staff now. I have Daniel that's here from Australia piercing yeah. for me. He's on vacation right now. So Steph from Oakville, she's um, Stephanie Meyer. She's, she's piercing for me right now. She's great. And I have, I have that confidence for the first time where I could step back and not kind of watch over someone's shoulder yeah. all the time. And But this past week, for example, I haven't been piercing for a while, but this past week when Steph was there, I was showing her a few things. 
and again, it sparked my passion back yeah. up for piercing again when I started doing a few piercings and having those interactions with the clients and the people and the selling. I love selling. I love sales. Yeah. I love talking to people. And uh, so I don't feel as though I'll ever step back from piercing 100%. I don't physically think I can. I, 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 I'm kind of right there with you. Like, I, I never want to not be a body piercer. Right. But I just don't want to be a full-time body piercer anymore. Yeah. And people must be listening to this, being like, what's wrong with you guys? Yeah, yeah. You guys are crazy. I've been trying to get into this industry yeah. so hard. And then there's people like us that are like, yeah, you know, it's just like anything. Everybody grows. Yeah. Right. And everybody needs to expand. And um, I don't want to become stale. Yeah. I don't want to become yeah. like hating my job and hating. Like I've never looked at it as a tech, like technically as a job. Like I've never hated it. I've never yeah. walked into my studio and hated walking into that studio. You know what I see like, in a lot of different professions, but you know, this one included, is people, uh, you know, learn a way that's, that's passable and works and they never relearn or polish it or, or increase it. And I, I feel like you and I are kind of a generation of body piercers who, like everything that I do, I'm trying to catch up to the people that I looked up to, you know? Okay. Uh, if, if there's somebody out there in the world who looks at us and says, Oh, that's a Jesse Villamare. That's a Ryan Willette. They're amazing. I want to be like that someday. Uh, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll give us that little rub really quick. But, um, but when I got into the industry, I was looking at other piercers and just being like, you know, oh, you know, Blair and, and, you know, you with Tom Brazda yeah. and all these other people. So like I set my entire career trying to catch up to them, you know, and I never want to get stale and I never want to be someone that gets surpassed. Uh, with ability and I'm not saying that I'm the, the best I'm definitely not but oh, there's always something I'm finding so many piercers that I meet nowadays and having conversations with a lot of them have so much knowledge already yeah and some of them are so passionate even about the history yeah. which is amazing yeah. and then the flip side to that obviously are the ones that don't even know anybody exists in this yeah. industry except for them and yeah I so. mean like you know it, it was like that when we got in too you know there are people like, like oh hey what's the APP oh who's Jim Ward who's Elaine Angel yeah you know there, there's always going to be those people who don't care about anything outside of their own bubble that's okay uh, if it's just a job to those people just like I'm sure there's some tattoo artists that are it's just a job yeah. to them and yeah that's just a paycheck and you can kind of tell you know like the ones that really excel the ones that are like teaching great classes or like being mentors to people or, you know, really well-known piercers, you know, they're, they're doing it through hard work and passion. You know, it's not just they're putting in their, their hours and going home, you know, yeah. they're, 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 they're always trying, you know? So what advice would you give somebody that's starting off? Uh, I don't know. They're starting off no. maybe in the piercing industry or... It's, it's tough because if I could go back and give myself advice when I was a kid, I would have told myself to go to medical school. Uh, you know, with, with some of the things that I, that I do now, um, you know, that kind of straddle the line between body modification and whatever, you know, scarification and, and stuff like that. Uh, I feel like if I, if I could have been the type that could have made it through medical school, uh, I, you know, whatever, but I, I wouldn't have been able to make it through medical no. school. But, um, the, the advice that I would give people getting into the industry now is, um, don't focus a hundred percent on just piercing, you know, like don't go from being plain Jane, no piercings and tattoos to being like sick pro mod, split your tongue and tattoo your arms black and, and <laughs> like jump in with both feet. Like, you know, build a life while you build a career so that you yeah. don't get burnt out. Like if you want to make it to 10 years, like you can't, your life can't just be about body piercing. You can focus really hard and you can, you can, 
constantly like you know try to get better and take classes and, and focus and put a lot of passion and energy into it but if that's the only thing you're putting energy into you're eventually gonna, you're gonna hit a wall and you're gonna you're gonna fizzle you're gonna burn yourself out I agree I totally agree I, I couldn't have said that better you because we've all done it yeah there's so many people who have done it and it's not to say you can't focus in on it because I mean I loved it and I, I remember in the very beginning BME was my biggest resource yeah. and I remember downloading all the pictures off of BME yep. for some reason thinking they weren't going to be there the day after <laughs> right. and uh, I was so absorbed into it and it's okay to be passionate and absorbed into it but I've seen so many piercers right now that are getting into this industry and, or wanting it it's so bad but they're struggling it's really hard for them to even get that foot in the door Yeah, and it's hard because I mean I don't know how many emails you get per week but we get numerous emails asking and they're just quick one liners too just yeah. like Hey, are you hiring? Are you, yeah, are you, how do hey, we get an apprenticeship? Do, I want an apprenticeship. I don't really get those emails much anymore. I, I get the occasional message on Tumblr or Facebook or something, right. but the emails, I don't really get them much anymore. And I feel like it's it's because people aren't really putting in the effort that we used to put into for apprenticeships. I think it's just, you know, they, they lob a softball at one shop that's close and, you know, maybe it's kind of a lower end shop, unfortunately. And, yeah. They, they maybe get abused and then they have to then after they're already in the industry that's when they get serious about their education yeah. then they have to track somebody down for like you know going to the Fakir intensives or going to like a progressive mentorship seminar or ABP conference like I feel like so many people blindly jump into the industry without really knowing what they have to know that's true. and then they get you know a year in or two years in or however many years in and then they realize like oh I don't really know what I need to know to get any better at this or to make this a long-term career and then they have to kind of like unlearn a lot of bad habits and relearn and all that stuff you know so if people want to get into it think of the best shop in your area and if you can't get an apprenticeship there don't be an apprentice you know like I, I know that somewhere else. yeah or move somewhere else I know it might seem harsh but uh, really good example. Do you know who Amanda Badger is? No, uh, uh, the top of my head. So I always saw her online, you know, uh, social media, and I always saw that name coming up, and always talking about like really good quality piercings, reblogging really quality content, had nice stuff on herself, um, and I always thought that she was an existing piercer with how much she knew and everything. And then uh, she sent me a message, hey, I'm gonna be in New Hampshire, can I can I stop by your shop for, for a little while and visit? And I was like, yeah, you can totally, you can shadow for the day, you can hang yeah. out. And she hung out the whole time, and then at the end of the day, you know, some client was like, oh, are you, know, are you a piercer? And she's like, no, no, I'd really like to get an apprenticeship. And I was like, Amazing, oh, you're right? not a piercer? Right. Like, I was like, wow, you know more than like, most, most people that I know, <laughs> yeah. And uh, she lives out in, in Michigan. Those are the people that need it. They exactly, want. yeah. Um, and she lives out in Michigan, and uh, the area that she was in, there's like, you know, there's there's not a lot of quality studios to think of, and uh, it's basically, it's A or B, and uh, you know, A is Pangea, and B is is Jeff at Gamma, you know, and then she she just got a position working at Gamma, oh, so really? yeah, and I, I'm, I'm so persistence pays off. It as totally well. does because she she took her time. How long did that take? People years. Don't re I, was gonna I mean, say, it was years. Some yeah. people think that it's going to be sent out a couple emails. Somebody's going to pick you. Yeah, and away you go. But and she did it the right way. I mean, I, I don't want to tell people like, hey, you know, everybody should wait five years for an apprentice no. for an apprenticeship, but. You know, she she knew what she wanted to learn. She knew what kind of piercer she wanted to be, and she waited until she found that opportunity. She didn't just buy some needles on eBay and just start piercing her friends. Patience, though, I think the problem is obviously none of us have that anymore, especially nowadays in the social media era where everything's like quick, go, 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 and yeah. they see what they want. 
we think we can all get that mm-hmm. within you know a short period of time I but, do you do you look back on your career and see like the phases of Jesse the piercer uh, I don't know what you mean by that as in the phases of as in, well okay so I look back at before I owned my first shop, you know, I I did like part-time stuff in, in shops, specialty stuff, genital stuff, you know, and I absolutely didn't know what I was doing. You know, okay, like I, I learned by practicing on myself, basically. Yeah. You know, I watched a bunch of videos, but but that's it. I was never trained by anybody. Right. And then last year you figured it out. Yeah, you know, well, you know, I'll get it one of these days. But um, <laughs> then, you know, I had my own studio for a couple of years, figuring some stuff out, going to conference, and I, I see like, you know, this progression of Okay, Every couple of years, you know, I, I bump up a, a step mm-hmm. or two, you know, and now I, I can look at it as like, you know, I'm pretty well educated. I got a good amount of experience. But there's still room for growth. Absolutely. There's definitely room for growth. I, I, I wonder what kind of piercer I'm going to be five years from now. And I'm excited to, to, to see it and know like what new things I'll learn and how I'll improve and different advances in jewelry and techniques and all that stuff, you know, and I just hope that other people out there are doing that and realizing that the piercer you are now shouldn't be the piercer you are in three years like you should always be better you should always keep learning um we see that with tattoo artists a lot you can see that progression for yeah. the most part i mean if you really care about it yeah um, yeah i can see that and definitely the tattooers at my studio yeah. you know because some of them they've worked for me the whole time you know 16 17 years you know and i i can absolutely see you know what you have much better tattoos than i do but like my my tattoos my arms and my legs are just covered in like older yeah, stuff you're not practice stuff yeah. from my guys you know yeah. and and uh i've re- like i see the stuff they do now and it's like oh yeah. man i wish i had kept my arms free for a couple <laughs> more years everyone starts there yeah i gotta come up and see lee and just have him like zap everything speaking of zap is there a lot of tattoo shops around here doing laser tattoo removal as, as well uh i don't know what the legality is i don't i, I guess don't every think, state's different yeah i think they have to be like medically supervised here so i know right. i know a handful of people doing laser removal but it's not like an explosion like okay. in unregulated areas yeah in canada it's getting to be a little bit more really blown up yeah well you know i mean how's lee doing it because i mean it seems like he's really a specialist with it uh lee's been doing great yeah yeah he's been i mean he's been in the market i guess longer than a lot yeah have up there anyhow so the thing that's impressive with with him when i talk to him about it is he just knows so much about it it's like when people talk to us about piercing and we can be like this and this and that about the jewelry and safety and all that stuff. Like he does the same thing with, with like laser removal. And it's like, wow, I never even realized how go yeah, figure we're t- using a laser to remove a tattoo is right. complicated. And we're talking about Lee Horton from Lee Horton. a legacy tattoo in London, Ontario. Hi Lee. Miss uh, you Lee. Miss you. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's cool. You know, I like, I like growing as a person. And I, I, I especially like seeing the people around me grow. Like watching your progression has been really cool and how your shop's grown and how you've grown and what everything. Else, what also is hard though is also seeing the people that we were around 10 years ago that aren't even in this industry yeah. or not even in my circle of friends anymore. Right. right? We've all had those friends that have come and gone over yeah. the years and each year. And sometimes we only see each other once a year at conference yeah. in Vegas. Like remember we, how much we used to like talk to and hang out with like Wade Dunn and Wade. Wade. Yeah. Remember Wade? Yeah. Remember, you, remember Johannes? Oh my God. We're going to Boston. Johannes. He's tattooing. He's a tattooer in Johannes. I mean, in, in, Boston? Uh, in Boston. I, I bumped into him at uh, the Boston convention we a handful of times. Well, I think it would shock the hell out of him. He may be. He'd be like, who are you? Yeah. Yeah. You're a yeah, piercer? But, like, yeah, but definitely. <laughs> do you feel like that was 
just everybody growing up and moving their own separate ways, or do you think that was like BME falling apart? Uh, that's tricky. That's tricky to say. I mean, we all grow separately, and uh, yeah. our, we don't take we take our own paths. And who's to say what their paths were if yeah. they wanted this? Because you stayed really close with John Joyce and like yeah, John ethics is still and, and ethics. Yeah, they're still tight. So I find I think everybody makes those connections within conference, right? Right. You go to conference and you still see these people that year after year they're all hanging out together and we build these little families and yep. these bonds and it's, it's yeah sad. you kind of you, you, at do, the you end. do see these people that you know that that's kind of a good way to look at it it's like oh you know so and so didn't make it to conference this year so it's like oh I, you know I, I wonder what they're up to I wonder yeah. what's changing for them like a good example like Dave Gilstrap you know right like he's he, got a family he's got two kids yeah you know he's doing his thing um I don't, I don't feel like I could ever do that. I don't feel like I could ever find something that could replace the industry for me. Mm-hmm. It could maybe supplement a little bit of my time, but I don't, I don't think I could ever leave the industry. Never say never, but yeah. uh, I've seen people yeah. that you would never think would leave it and they've right. left. Yeah, yeah. Or found something different or burnt out. And I think I read a statistic somewhere where people change their careers at least four times, like big careers, three, really? or, three or four times in the course of their lifetime, or three big jobs or four big jobs. And it makes me wonder, like we've been in this, you said almost 20 years, yeah. right? I've been in this uh, 16, 17 years now. That's a long time. Yes, it is. Half our lifetime. <laughs> and it feels longer and longer the older I get. Oh, my GPS signal's lost. Um, I, You know, it's... It's weird. Like, I mean, do you see yourself at, like, 50, you know, being a part-time piercer? No, I don't. And I yeah. feel like that's when I don't want it to become... I don't want it to become creepy. I didn't want right. to be that 50-year-old guy piercing 16-year-old navels, yeah, you know? right. And I wondered, at what point does that become a weird thing? And I know there's some 50-year-old piercers that are great. Yeah. And I feel like I can still be that great You want to know what the line and, is for me? What's that? Um, piercing uh, people who are... 18 and older who were born after I graduated high school. Yeah. That's a little weird. Um, yeah. So, you know, you know, I have that line, I think. I don't know if you've had it yet, but I had a client who, um, she, she came in with her mom, got her six minutes slow down. Thank you. GPS. Uh, so she came in, got a piercing with her mom. And then after I did it, her mom was just like, Oh, you pierced me way back when I was 16 and now I was piercing her 16 year old. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, Oh my God. My first girlfriend that I ever was with in high school, she just showed up to my studio with her 16 year old daughter Yeah, and got her navel pierced. And it was just weird with my old girlfriend from high school. Right. Now I'm piercing her daughter at the same age that we were dating. Did she look like you? Way back then. Uh, that would have been awkward. Had the, the gray hair. Yeah. Also, I have to tell you something very important about her parentage. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I still love the industry, and I, I hope that I can stay happy and stay healthy in it. And, I you know, I, I really like to help that new generation coming along or, or help people sharpen up, you know. But, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what will happen. To, no, to me nobody. or to you or to us or the industry. Nobody knows, and that's the hard part. It's the choose your own adventure books. You can't right. You can't really figure it out. You can't look into the future. So just do the best you can today. Yeah. Stay I, positive. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to be optimistic about it. I see great things happening. You know, the newer piercers that are coming in make me feel really comfortable with where the industry's going. You know, like there are some awesome, 
awesome piercers out there now, you know? They're amazing. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be great. And hopefully I just don't turn into one of those, like, Ryan who kind of people, <laughs> you know? I, I want to try to stay relevant and you know, keep your podcast going. And I'll try. Yeah, when I, when I get to, like, episode 300, you know, this will be, what, episode 24 with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. You'll be burnt out podcasts. I already am. Oh, it's such a pain in the butt. Like, okay, so I love it, but like, you know, having to edit the interviews and do that every week, like I would love it if I were like, you know, some celebrity that could uh, just, you know, you record an interview and then you just hand it off to some production assistant who puts it all together. Sadly, no. No. Maybe I should make Evan start doing that. That would be so great. Sounds like we just found a new job for Evan. Yeah. Clean the floor, order the jewelry, pierce my clients, and then edit my podcast weekly. Yeah. So, um, on that note, yeah, well, tell, I think that that's a good place to end it, but, uh, tell people where they can, where they can find you. Yeah. You can find me in a few places. Actually. Um, I own thrive studios in Ontario in Cambridge, Ontario at thrivestudios.ca. Um, I also teach, um, workshops alongside, uh, Ryan and FX in Quebec. Well, he's in Quebec. He's in Quebec. Yes. So you can find out more about that. It's uh, progressivementorship.com. And then if you want to follow me on my new photography journey too, it's at followmenorth.com or followmenorth.ca. You got a website for it too? It's actually being built right now. Fancy. So it'll be up and running hopefully within the next month. So if this you, over here? It's like, it looks like a food. It's like a farmer's market. Let's get some of that. Oh man. Yeah. But yeah or follow me on Instagram at uh, followmenorth. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Done. Uh, me, you know where I am. You're already listening to the show. Uh, so thanks Jesse and uh, let's go get some food and then we'll go see Apocalyptica let's do it cool thanks for listening everybody thank you for more information about the show visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook for more info about your host visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook Instagram and Tumblr if you enjoy the show you can subscribe on iTunes Apple Podcast and Google Play Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.